Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. We don't want to go out with timidity. And that's the the title of the message today. Do not go out with timidity. We don't want to be timid going out. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's go there. Now, verse one, chapter one, verse, verse. Um, let's start in, in in verse seven. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse seven. You know, we see that Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, because of that which he said before, but he said, God. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. And the King James, I would say, fear. Timidity is a translation of that. But of power, of love, and discipline, or King James might say, sound mind. It means sound judgment. It means self-discipline, self-control. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. He hasn't. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power, of love, of sound mind, of good judgment, sound judgment. And God is calling us to go out with confidence in him. Not self-confident, confident in him. Confident in the word of God. Confident in his name. Confident in, in, in the blood of Jesus. Confident in, the, in what God has already done uh, through Jesus Christ on the cross. Confidence that a price has been paid for the sins of the world. Confidence that he has sent us out. And if he has sent us out, then he's with us. He said, Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end. So we know he's with us. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. That's what he said. We're going under authority. Just like he sent his uh, disciples out by two, he sent them out, and he gave them power to do different things that he, he called them to do. He's sending us out too. He's not sending us out unprepared. He's not sending us out uh, with, with just uh, into a world that says, you know, I want you to go out, and you're going to get slaughtered. You're going to get defeated, but you go out anyway. No. We're not going out like that. We're going out because we know that the victory has already been won because of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that he has, as a matter of fact, he has been manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he said. So we can't go out with timidity. And I know in the natural, some of us are timid, and I am one of those timid, of different things. Different things. But as I gain confidence in Jesus Christ, then I gain confidence in going out or doing what he's asked me to do. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a scary thing to be put in a position of where you have to teach every Sunday. Just about. And when I went uh, over 17 years ago, it's going on eight, 18th year now. You, I was thinking when back in '60, uh, what, 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 back in whenever it was 2000, whatever it was. I don't know when it was. I was 50 years old though. Uh, but <laughs> I remember that. I remember there's no going back uh, to teaching. I said. Well, how, God, how am I going to come up with a message every single Sunday, 52 weeks out of the year, every year? How am I going to do that? That's a scary thing, to stand up here to do that. And the only thing that, that I knew to do is just trust him. Just trust him. And so I started what I still do now, over 17 years ago, is praying. And that's all I do, pray. Pray. God, what do you want for your people this week? I can't put out anything until I pray because 
He is the one who is the shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. He's the, he's the head. <laughs> so you go to the, the chief person, the head, to find out what he wants for his body, and then you have to now have step, in, step out in faith and believe that this is what it is. And I knew one thing, that I was not going to stand up here and give you any, uh, I think this and I think that and all this kind of stuff. It's the word of God. It's the only thing that's going to stand. It's the only thing that's going to stand. So that's the only thing I know to do is to teach you the word. And I didn't want to just to say, well, here's a scripture right here. And let me tell you what this means. And I talk for uh, 45 minutes on, on, on just what I think. I'm not interested in what I think. And I hope you're not. I'm interested in what God says. And so I had to study on how to rightfully divide the word of God. So I'm speaking of timidity now, timidity, because we can be timid about a lot of different things. Going out as one. Now, Jesus didn't go out timid. He didn't go out timid. Am I correct? He didn't go out with timid. Timothy. Y'all know. He was not timid. Bold as a lion. Bold as a lion. But not in his own strength. Now, why am I talking about timidity? Because it's a scary thing. When you turn to Mark chapter 5, let's go there. When you, when, you, when you start looking at some of the scriptures, I think, ooh, this is interesting. I don't know whether I could do this. Verse 1, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes, and King James might say Gadarenes, Gadarenes, it might say Gadarenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately, not later on, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. What kind of man was this? And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with chains. What kind of man is this? We got chains that you can pull anything. You can, you can chain up anything if the chain is thick enough. But it says that this man could not be bound even with a chain. Why not? Because he had often been bound with shackles, my goodness gracious, and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. My goodness gracious. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. No one. No one. This is a bad dude, what do you think? This is the one who said immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. How would you like to be met by this man? I don't see any hands. <laughs> my hand is not up. I put it in my pocket. <laughs> I'm, this, is, this, is, this is something. So when we read this, I think we just kind of read right on over these things. It says here, Constantly, night and day. He was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. This is this man now. I don't think I want to go past him. Really, I really don't think so. Seeing Jesus, 
from a distance. He ran up. What do you think? What do you think? Jesus gets out of the boat. Here's this man running up to him. What do you think? Think Jesus? Let's get back in this boat and paddle quickly. What do you think? Think Jesus timid? Does he want us timid? What do you think? And bow down before him. This was interesting because someone asked me, he said, well, uh, why would this person, if he had an unclean spirit, bow down to Jesus if he was possessed by an unclean spirit? Well, I don't know. I really don't. But I do know that uh, a person is not necessarily 24-7 affected, even though they might be possessed. They might be, not be affected 24-7. A person can really see what's going on, and they can, might want deliverance and come to where deliverance is. Do you know that? People sometimes need deliverance, come to church. You know that? Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean that they not don't want to be delivered. But now, he came, he bowed down, but then here's what happened. And shouting with a loud voice, he said. Now, he's not saying, but some unclean spirits are saying through him, what business do we have with each other? Jesus, son of the most high God. I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, who is it he's been saying to him? Jesus. Jesus has been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus had been saying that, and the man is saying, by way of the unclean spirit, what business do we have with each other? And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, oh, by the way, this is not a formula. Just so you, you know, this is not a formula. There are many cases in the scripture. We're not going to go over all the cases. Jesus used different things. He used different techniques. So, so don't think this is a formula and go around asking uh, unclean spirits what their name is. Okay? It's not a, it's not a formula. Okay? And he, and he said, my name is Legion. For we are many. Now, in those times, we know centurion is, is something. We know legion is something. So a legion is a, in the Roman army, we're talking about numbers. We're talking about 3,000 to 6,000 army. If you have a legion of, of, of soldiers with you, you have at least 3,000 to 6,000, anywhere between 3,000 and 6,000 soldiers with you. That's what a legion is in the Roman army. He said, my name is Legion, but we're many. That's a lot, isn't it? Can you wonder now why no one could uh, hold him, bind him? You know why chains and shackles couldn't bind him? You got all these uh, spirits there that's, that's powerful. This man is hurting. He is hurting. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain, and the demons, there was and demons implored him, saying, Send us. To start off with saying, got an unclean spirit. Calling out on clean spirit, we find out there are many sent us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, sending them out. 
the unclean spirits now, the unclean spirits, because we found out that there were many unclean spirits, in at the swine, and, the, and, the, and they rushed down, the, the herd rushed down the, the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Now we see that the herdmen ran away. What do you think? You think that's okay? The herdmen ran away. You would probably run away too, wouldn't you? Now, and, and, and reported to the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed, and this is important right here, they observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed. Why they said clothed? <laughs> right. And in his right mind. Woo. So, so we know that this man is different, different now. The very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. It seemed like they had been, you know, shouting, you know, hallelujah, my praise God. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore him to leave the region. And as he was getting into the boat, this is important, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that they might accompany him. And he did not let him, but said to him, listen to what he said, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis of ten cities of what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Now let me ask you, why didn't Jesus put him in the boat with him and take him on? Because see, some people he'll say, well, hey, go sell all what you have, give to the poor, follow me. This person, he wouldn't let him follow him. You think Jesus is interested in the capitalists, the, the, the cities that he's around? See, this man was notorious. Everybody's heard about this man. No one goes that way because everybody's afraid of this man. But now this man is full of clothes. He's in his right mind. He's, and, and he's been uh, uh, delivered by Jesus. And he's going to talk about Jesus. He's going to tell them about Jesus. Jesus wants us doing the same thing because we are his body. He's no longer here on the earth walking around in this uh, body. He is everywhere. And he's saying, I have given you the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of grace. I've given you the Holy Spirit. Now you go out. And you do the works that I have given you to do. And you deliver people. You now send them because they're gonna, all they're going to do is tell people what great things that you did for them. And you're going to say, of course, as, as the, the, the disciples said, hey, don't look at us because of our, uh, our holiness or anything because we're people. You, you, it's Jesus who's done this thing. We don't want any credit, do we? The, 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 the prayer team that comes up as a service to pray for you, uh, when, when God does something, they don't want any credit. They're not looking for any glory. They're not looking to, to draw people for themselves. All they want to do is magnify the Lord. That's what they want to do. That's what we want to do, magnify the Lord. That's what Jesus asked him to do. Go tell people what great things that I've done for you because don't you believe that and it is other places you'll find out later on when they came back to this area. Oh, they hear about, oh, my goodness, great, Jesus is here. They're going to bring all the sick. They're going to bring everybody. They're going to bring them because they hear Jesus is here. You see? That's what they're going to hear. Now, I don't know about you, but that's what God is calling us to do. And he's saying, I want you to tell the, tell the people do not go out in timidity. 
because there are going to be some weird and scary things that you're going to see out there. It is. It is. We have, we have a lot of stuff going on in Lynchburg and surrounding areas. The surrounding areas mean the Amherst and all the, all the counties, Bedford, uh, Camel County, all these areas. We have some things, we have some serious demonic stuff going on. And I want to tell you that these things um, still exist. Please do not think that I'm not reading from the Bible and what you see up the screen is words coming off a magazine. They're not. This is the word of God. I'm reading from the Bible. These things have not ceased. We still have unclean spirits. And, and if you deliver somebody, if, if, when I say you deliver somebody, you can't deliver anybody. I can't deliver anybody. Only thing we can do is pray. Only thing we can do is speak to them. Only thing we can do is do what Jesus told us to do. It's him who's going to do the work. Do you understand? And if he doesn't do it, it won't get done. And I don't know why some people get delivered. I don't know why some people don't. I don't know anything. All I know is that we're called to just do it. That's all we're called to do. Just do it. Do it. I took uh, a couple classes. Minerva and I took a couple classes in... Uh, um, it's called CLST, but in a way, Christian school uh, theology. But it, what it was is that we were taking some classes, and one of the classes, two of them actually, was about demon possession and casting out demons. And that was scary in itself because he said, I want to use you all after, after the, you know, the instruction, and we're going to call people up, and I want you to be one to help. Because, you know, I was a pastor. I said, ooh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> because, you know, if you've never done anything like that, uh, you go to these, these classes sometime, and, and uh, then they ask you to participate. Yeah. And they had people who wanted prayer. And I prayed for one lady, and this lady said, well, she got delivered. Uh, I don't know why she got delivered. Except all I did is pray. I didn't know anything other than what the word of God says. Some people didn't get delivered. I don't know why they didn't. It's not my responsibility to theologically tell you, okay, this happened because of this, and this happened because of that. I don't know why things happen, why they don't happen. All I know is we are called to be obedient. Is that enough to be obedient? Do you believe that you have the power to do something, to cast out demons, to, to heal the sick, do anything without Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit, without the Father God? Do you think you have the power to do that? No. No. Only thing we are supposed to be are vessels. Vessels that God can use. But it's him who chooses to use or not use. It's him. So I do not know why some people don't get delivered. So I don't know. Okay? So I don't have a theological reason. I don't know. Is that good enough for you? Okay. Now, let's go to one other uh, case, I want to go to one other case before uh, we have a testimony also. I think which one I want to go to. There, there, let me tell you about one, Mary Magdalene. Y'all, y'all remember that in the Bible? Mary Magdalene. And she was, uh, had how many demons? Seven. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, didn't, it, it didn't tell you all of, all of, all of the account like this one. But, it just told you that she did have and she didn't have because Jesus dealt with them. And now, from the time you learned about Mary Magdalene, what was she doing? Following Jesus. Following Jesus. God wants people following him. She didn't leave him, period. As far as, when, at the cross, she was there. When he rose again, she was there. 
God wants us to help people. And if we help people, they'll follow Jesus. They'll follow Jesus. That was a case I could have turned to. I wasn't going to turn to it. Then there's a, another one that, that's very, very interesting. That I thought about, let's, let's go over to Mark 9. Let's go there. Let's see what, what God has for us here um, in verse 14. Because I want to give you a different account. And it says here, when they came back, they're talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. They came back, a large crowd was around them, and some scribes were arguing with them immediately. And when the uh, entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And when the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. Do you think a spirit can make a person mute? It says it in the word. And whenever it seizes him, that means it doesn't seize him all the time, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. So they knew it could be cast out. And he answered them, and said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling to the ground and began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Now, Jesus wasn't in no hurry, was he? It seems like you know, if he was doing all that, he would have quickly done something, but he said, it's like he turned from, he, he'd see him rolling all around. He said, turn to the father. How, how long has it been happening to him? He said, uh, from childhood. Now, do you think that, that this is a serious thing, that here's this person from childhood, this unclean spirit has been doing this to him. He was mute from childhood, and it has had often thrown him in, both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, you know, I mean, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. That's a good answer. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit and said to him, you deaf and mute spirit. So we know some spirits are deaf and mute. I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into a terrible uh, convulsions, it came out and the boy began to, uh, became so like, like a corpse that, almost, that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him and he got up. And when he came into the house, his disciples began to, began to question him privately. Why could we not drive it out? Why could we not drive it out? That's a good answer, isn't it? I mean, that's a good question anyway. Why could we drive it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Another uh, version might say prayer and fasting. Now, so uh, this still is not a formula. This is just saying that uh, this is just Many things. One case, Jesus put his hands on somebody uh, to do, do it. In another case, he just spoke to it. There's so many cases in the Bible, so many cases. I'm just telling you these things exist. That's all I'm telling you. These things exist. And God wants to use us. And if he chooses to use it, just pray for anybody. Anybody, pray for them. Pray for them. If something happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you just pray for somebody else. Just keep praying for people uh, because you care about people. That was the first message. Do you care enough to help people? Do you care enough? And if you care enough, you'll help people. And, and please don't say, please don't say, well, um, hey, I know why nothing happened because you didn't have enough belief. That's what it is. You didn't have enough belief. Because I saw it said, you know, uh, do you believe? And the man said, yeah, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because there's many cases in the scripture where, where uh, he says, uh, you know, um, be according to your faith, you know. So we have all these things in the scripture, but we have to be theologically sound enough to understand uh, that everything that has to do with life and God is in here. 
And everything from Genesis to Revelation doesn't happen just like Jesus did it. But if we do what he says, we're going to see some results, just like Jesus saw some results. We don't know when. We don't know with who. We don't know anything. All we're going to do is pray. Is that, that, that good enough? Otherwise, you're going to have to come up with a lot of answers and a lot of, really, I think, answers that have hurt people being in churches is that we will give them some theological reason why they didn't get healed or why they didn't get delivered or why nothing happened, and we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue. We just say it because there are, there are things that happen that we just don't know. We just don't know why it happens. We just don't know. But one thing about it, it's not going to stop me from praying. It's not going to stop me from believing. Because once you stop praying, once you stop believing, you might as well uh, go back to Revelation chapter 1 because the ones who are unbelieving are the ones who are thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone. I'm not going to be unbelieving. I'm going to be believing. And I'm going to be doing and then I'm, 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 I'm going to let him do what he's supposed to do, and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. We work this thing together. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, I have a testimony from this young lady. Now, please don't think that this young lady uh, is, see, I've been teaching on demon possession. <laughs> and you know, say, oh, here's one. Uh, that. that <laughs> Uh, no, we're not going to demonstrate on Laura is that <laughs> she is a Christian. And uh, just so you know, theologically, I don't believe that a Christian can be possessed, totally, totally possessed by a demon. Okay? Uh, and I could go through scriptures and explain that to you. Um, but I do believe that Christians can be affected by demons. I do believe that. Uh, to a point that you don't know whether they got cast out, you don't know whether they were possessed, you don't know anything. And I'm saying, uh, don't theologically think that just because a person is a Christian, they say they're a Christian, there's no demons to cast out. There's no unclean spirits around. Anything, that Galatians chapter 5, we're talking about unclean spirits too. When you're talking about immorality, you're talking about, oh, it's a whole lot of unclean spirits. And I'm going to tell you, they need to be dealt with in Christian. Okay? This is just that they're just not totally possessed by, uh, uh, they're not demonized, but they still are affected and influenced by demons. Okay? Okay, Lord, you got it. Give us your testimony, young lady. Okay. Well, Pastor Carlton asked me because he knows my story of um, deliverance. Um, so I'm just going to give you a, just a quick, brief history of what I came up in. It's funny that your message was about um, timidity and fear because that's what dominated my life. As as long as I can remember, I was fearful. Always fearful. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) All right, y'all kick back now. Um, So fear dominated my life from as far as I can remember. I was always afraid. I was afraid of storms. I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of people. I used to hide behind my dad. And, you know, I was just always fearful um, as long as I could remember. I remember one time being afraid to to fall asleep because I thought I would stop breathing if I wasn't awake to keep breathing. I know that sounds crazy, but when you're five, six years old, you know, it's what I was experiencing. So, um, I'll fast for. I, I was raised in a Catholic home, more so by name only. We didn't really practice. We went to church on and off sporadically, but I don't recall. We had a family Bible, one of those that <coughs> had the names of all the generations in it that kind of set somewhere, but I never in all my life remember my family opening it or reading it or even really talking about Jesus, you know, but... Um, we did go to church occasionally, and I remember um, I remember just 
thinking church was beautiful, and, and I love it. The Catholic religion is a beautiful religion and um, full of beautiful rituals and things like that. But it wasn't a relationship. I didn't have a relationship. So the fear always dominated my life. And, and I was also thinking this morning, Pastor, about counterfeits and how the enemy uses counterfeits in our life. And, you know, we're made to be followers. And so I was a follower, but I was not a follower of Christ. And my sister, who was 10 years older than me, was the person I imitated. She was the one I followed. And so when she was 18, I was 8. And that was my first encounter with drugs when I was 8 years old. I was sitting in the back seat of the Volkswagen and my sister and brother in the front and she lit up a joint and passed it to the back seat and I remember smelling something thinking what is this <laughs> and she said hit this and I didn't even know what hit it meant I mean I thought hit it meant to hit something and you know she showed me what to do and I hit a joint at eight years old and um, that was the begin the beginning of I guess my life kind of derailing. Um, of course, I didn't use on a regular basis at that point at eight years of age, but it turned me into a direction that I didn't need to go. And I started seeking more people to follow, and you know the devil's going to bring those people into your path. Um, I became friends with a girl who also had a drug problem at a very young age. I was talking to Pastor on the phone the other night, and I recall the story of being in elementary school, and back then my elementary school went to fourth grade, and my girlfriend brought a mason jar of vodka to school, and we passed it back and forth under a stall in the um, elementary school, and that was fourth grade, was the highest grade, so it had to be at least fourth grade, and um, the pastor was like, fourth grade, and it was, and we, we huffed um, fingernail polish remover and we just did all you know stupid things just to get high because I was a follower and I was following all the wrong people um, on into junior high and high school I used periodically um, you know wasn't on a, a daily basis at that point but it was on a you know regular basis by the time I was in high school I was smoking weed before school during school after school um, I was also engaging in, you know, we had Ouija boards and we did seances and things like that. And not knowing, I was just ignorant. You know, I didn't know that these things were opening me up to a realm that really exists, um, along with drugs, because drugs are demonic. They are all demonic. And um, so I was experimenting with all kinds of drugs. And um, all through high school, I continued to do that. Um, as a senior in high school, I became pregnant and um, got married to my high school sweetheart and had a child before I graduated high school, um, but I did graduate high school. Um, but I still continued to engage in drinking and using drugs. And, and at this point, you know, it's amazing of God's mercy because being a parent was in my calling. That was part of God's destiny for me. But I did it in a premature way, and I, I did it in a counterfeit way. When the enemy offered counterfeit things, I was drawn to these things because being a follower is in our DNA. We're, we're to be Christ followers. The supernatural, we are supernatural beings, so we have a drawing to those things. And the enemy brought counterfeits to my life, and I was drawn to those things. So as I continued on um, being a mother... Before I was 19, I had two sons and um, was just, at that point, I was pretty much drinking on a regular basis, um, almost daily, um, and smoking pot and, you know, doing any, any drugs. I did anything but heroin was the only thing I didn't do. By the time I was 21, 22, another friend introduced me to cocaine, and um, I was immediately drawn to these things because what they did was they took the fear away, the fear that I had. Um, the cocaine and the alcohol, I, I overcame the fear by using those things. And um, that was a counterfeit way to overcome that fear. 
So I, at this point, um, you know, my marriage had dissolved. Um, I was using drugs on a regular basis. Um, the enemy was making sure people were coming into my life who were going to help him destroy me. Um, I was working a job, and I worked with a lady who was also as um, bound by cocaine as I was. And we would use each other, our finances, you know, and we would go and what we call score um, drugs. She did one type of, she did crack cocaine and I did powder cocaine. And we would go together to purchase it and come back and, and use together on our job and after work. And my sister, who was still engaged in drinking and drugging, was a bartender. So... I would go have liquid lunches, I used to call them, and I would go after work, and, and she was like my escape, you know. She was my excuse to not go home because I had to pick her up from work. And um, so I'm using all the time at this point. Um, and my friend Sandy that I worked with was using, we were both um, drinking and using all the time. And But, you know, even in the midst God always was putting good people in my path, people that, you know, like, like you said, Pastor, you said sometimes you don't see the fruit automatically because one might be planting, one might be watering, but God it will give the increase, and that's what he was doing. He was sending planters into my life, people that I worked with this one lady, and I, I really hated to see her coming because I was miserable. <laughs> I was miserable, and she was a Christian, which I didn't know about being a Christian then, but she was a Christian, and she was always so happy and smiling, and I really, I hated to see her coming, and she would bop up to the area where I worked, and, you know, she was always positive, had something good to say, and I was like, oh, great, here she comes, you know. And one day, I was either either high enough or sick, because I was either one of the two, usually all the time. Um, she came in the area, and somebody said, hey, Jason, how you doing? And she's like, oh, girl, I'm blessed. And, you know, she started talking about how blessed she was, and I was just mean enough at that time. And I said, well, what makes you so blessed, you know? I was just like, ah. And she said, she started sharing her testimony with me of how she had been, um, she had prostituted for um, money for drugs and alcohol. She was drinking like a liter of vodka a day. She had her marriage had been destroyed, and that God turned it all around. I mean, He turned it all around, and I found out too, not that long ago, that He even restored her marriage. So, um, you know, but it got the wheels turning in my head. It was like, hmm, you know, God, if you can do that for her, you know, maybe you could. So she was planting, you know, and and I was working with other godly people who were excited and happy and always talking about Jesus and um, one of them was Lloyd he was always happy he was one of those people that was always praying for people and talking about Jesus and you know reaching out to, to people all the time so even though the enemy was definitely at work trying to destroy me God was contending against the enemy in my life and um, so I, I remember um, I mean I could tell you all kinds of horror stories, um, but I'll get to the good part. I went, um, it was a Friday night, it was um, November 29th, and I had done, ex my sister and I had done excessive amounts of cocaine that night. Mm -hmm. No, we were not married at the time. Yeah, we worked together, yeah, we knew each other, um, but no, we were not married at that point. No, not at that time, no. So we, I had been using, my sister and I had been using all this whole day, it was a Friday, and we had, my nose was would bleed on and off all the time because the, you know, I guess the, um, somebody, what is it, I'm a nurse, I should know, the, the septum, you know, it, it has, you know, it can be damaged when you use excessively. And my nose, I remember that particular night, I had gone over to my house and um, I was going to call one of the things if anybody's familiar with cocaine you never want to run out it's like or, or alcohol either and um, and I could drink a lot I mean I could probably drink a case of beer on my own and appear to be fine 
because I had a high tolerance. And I, and that particular night, I remember being afraid I was going to run out. We were going to run out. So I said, well, I'll go call Sandy, and we'll go get some. So I went to the phone, and I had a book that had all the numbers from where I worked with all the people I worked with on there. And I'm calling the number, and at the time, I thought I had made the mistake, but now knowing God's sovereignty and his love and his mercy, I called someone who had been praying for me and who had been witnessing to me and who had been sowing seeds in my life. And 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 even though they didn't know all the details, they didn't know I was into drugs like I was. So when they picked up the phone, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, what have I done? I've was trying to call Sandy, and now I've called this person, and I really don't want to talk to them, (laughs) you know. So I just started crying. I just, like, all the, I just started crying. And um, he, Lloyd, was on the other end of that phone, and he didn't know why I was crying, and I couldn't even talk. And he said, well, let me just pray for you. Let me just pray for you. And I was like, oh, great. (laughs) I mean, really, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, oh, great. But He prayed, and I don't even remember all that he prayed. I do remember him saying at the beginning of the prayer, Lord, I lift Laura up to you. And something changed in me. And all that fear, all that lack of peace that I'd had all my life went away just like that just like that it just left and I remember getting off the phone and um, I didn't know what had taken place at that point but I got off the phone and I, I went to bed I just went to bed I told my sister you know I'm going to bed and I went to bed and I went right to sleep which was rare I usually didn't just go to sleep and remember I'd done a lot of cocaine that day and so usually you can't sleep so but I went right to sleep, and that was a Friday night. And Saturday I got up, and something was different. I had no clue about what it was, but something was different in me. And I kind of went around the house cleaning and crying, mostly. I cried, like, the whole day, but not a poor, pitiful cry. It was something different. It was like a cleansing, almost. And, and it was like I inside, I just knew everything was going to be okay all the things I had to be fearful of, all the doubts and insecurities. And it was just like, like peace, just peace, undescribable peace. And then Sunday came, and I told my sons, I said, um, we're going to go to church. And they were like, what? <laughs> and I remember it was raining, and I had a dress on, and I'm out, and my starter had been broken on my car, and I would always park on heels and, I had forgotten to park on a hill, so I'm out there in the rain, pushing my car, trying to get it going to go get um, to go to church. So we're going down the road, and I saw a sign that said Church of God, and I said that's good. So it was the first <laughs> church <laughs> I came to. So I went, I went to, um, I went in, and it was the Pentecostal church, and um, it was a fire and brimstone message, <laughs> and and I knew, you know, he it was like. It was like God was speaking right to me, and the the pastor did an altar call, and I went up and accepted Christ. And um, you know, I you know never never looked back since then. And I've had continued deliverance in my life since that time. Um, you know, because I engaged in so much in that dark realm. I've you know that prayer, Lloyd's obedience, and then come to find out, he he was on his way out the door. I didn't even know it. He he said, you know, I was on the way out the door, you know, when you called, and I almost didn't come back in until he was going to a job, and he was almost not coming back in to answer the phone, but he said something told him to come back in and answer that phone, so, um, but his prayer, I think, was the beginning of light coming in and getting pushing that darkness back long enough for me to be able to see and to desire to go to church and know that there's something more and and I've had like I said more deliverance you know over the years that I've been saved I've had to 
you know, I've had to come up to many, many, many prayer lines and get prayed for because I'd be struggling with things. And, and I know that feeling of sitting in a seat and having your flesh say, don't go up. They're going to think this. They're going to think that. You know, but I got to the point where I knew I couldn't do it on my own. I had to have prayer. I had to, you know, and if it took me coming up every week at church, I went up every week and got prayer. And somebody's like dipping in water, you know. Every time you dip in, you get a little cleaner, <laughs> a little cleaner and a little cleaner. And I'm not there, but um, I'm a long ways from where I was. I've, I've been drug-free for 18 years, and... Um, I work in a substance abuse treatment center. That's God. That's God. And I work in a substance abuse treatment center that is also a mental health, um, a mental health, it's called crisis stabilization. It's people who have everything from anxiety to schizophrenia. Um, and I recognize those demons. I see them. You know, I can see them. I know, you know, and they might not even know I'm praying for them. Sometimes, you know, God will have me lay my hand on their shoulder and pray. But, you know, sometimes I'm just standing in the nurse's station, seeing them on the camera or down the hall, and I'm praying for them because, you know, prayer is far more powerful. That's why the enemy tries to keep us from praying. He he knows how powerful it is. He knows. So, um, yep, that's it. <laughs> Let's give Laura a hand, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. Let's stand. Uh, would I have a prayer team come up? Please? Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.